I've got a secret, and now I can't tell it to you. And I've got a ship tax, ship tax, ship tax, ship tax. I've got a ship tax. And welcome to Date Fight. It's the podcast where we take great moments that occurred on this day in history and we smash them up against each other. And yes, you're absolutely right. It's Date Fight Lights yes. this week. Until March the 8th, we will be getting you special, slimmed down versions of all the exciting things that have happened on every day in history. He's Jake Yap. I'm Nat Tapley. And together we are waiting outside the mouse hall of history for the most entertaining rodents to poke their noses out and be gobbled up. You always go for like mice and birds of prey and I wonder which do you identify with the most strongly Ness? Depends on what day of the week it is. <laughs> I think I'm probably the mouse in most of these analogies. Okay well today's Sunday how are you how are you feeling? Definitely mouse. <laughs> okay. I'm gonna take you to the 1st of March uh, 1628 when Charles I said to the whole country you should have to pay ship money. Now, ship money was a tax that was introduced in the medieval period uh, that every now and again, when we were at war, the coastal areas, coastal counties, would have to pay ship tax, uh, ship money, where they would that would be used to build boats and provide a navy so that we could defend the coasts. So the coasts paid for it in times of war. But in 1628, Charles had an idea which he thought was a bit of a wheeze, which was not just to charge it to the coastal areas, but to charge it to everyone in the whole country, including the landlocked counties because it was one of the few taxes he could levy without it going through Parliament, because it was meant to be used in times of war, and everyone has, has, you know, accepted that at that time we would need to build a navy, it, Parliament did not have to approve ship tax. So his father had used it in 1619 to raise £40,000, mm-hmm. and it was completely uncontroversial. But in 1628, Charles levied it on absolutely everyone, no matter whether or not they were in a coastal area, and everyone was outraged, not wanting to pay the ship tax at all. Um, he tried to. He also tried to raise four times as much, £173,000, so sheriffs refused to collect the tax in inland counties. In 1634, it had worked so well he tried to do it again. Um, and this time, he tried to levy it in a time of peace, and it had never been levied in a time of peace before, and he tried to get £104,000 out of it. Um, he blamed it on pirates. He looked around and went, we're not paying that, we're at peace. There's no. Why would we pay for a navy when we're at peace? And he went, pirates? <laughs> <laughs> Why would you not say, yeah, well, do you want to enjoy it? Do you want the peace to go on, mate? I mean, that's yeah. surely the... This is the trouble, you see. Yeah, People that's get complacent. You, you're, you're quite clever, and Charles I is not a clever man. People are always like, dim, oh, man. the vaccines are working, I won't get vaccinated. I mean, I think he probably got cleverer when his head was chopped off. Wow. He's probably just getting more air to it. Yeah. <laughs> 1635, he went at it again. He wanted £208,000 from everyone in the country. And yet again, everyone refused to pay. He had to take Hampton... To um, uh, to court, Hampton was a local sheriff. Uh, Come in... off it, Hampton Court. Yeah, <laughs> in Rex versus Hampton, uh, which Hampton lost, the king won. Uh, later, of course, a few years later, Hampton was in charge of some of the parliamentary forces in the Civil War and rightly trounced Charles the um, First. And anyway, the constant levying of ship money was one of the things that led to uh, the Civil War because everyone was sick and tired of having to pay new taxes, which he was just making up and weren't going through Parliament. Yeah. Paying all that money for any old ship. Yeah. Like a, a navy. Yeah. Except it wasn't going for a navy, really. It was mainly going to keep him in palaces. Well, who am I to judge? I don't know what I'm saying. Right, I've got <laughs> the 1st of March, 1990. Ooh. What happened then? Uh, a new Secrets Act 
came into force. Uh, this happened because five years earlier in 1985, a guy called Clive Ponting, who was mm. a civil servant, yeah. uh, he broke the 1911 Secrets Act and he leaked two documents about the sinking of the Argentine ship, the General Belgrano, during the Falklands War. Belgrano. Yeah. Mm. Which even I dimly remember from the time. Mm. So uh, ministers had told the British public, uh, well, the Belgrano was was threatening British lives out there and we had to sink it. When in fact it was sailing away from the battle zone. Yes, <laughs> going in the other yes, direction. But, but if it had kept going all the way around the world and come back the other side, that would yes. have been a stealth <laughs> attack. <laughs> so um, that went to court and the judge said to the jury, you must prosecute this case. Uh, and the jury said, mm. uh, actually, no, no. Uh, we, we think that's in the public interest, actually. And they Ooh. let him off. Then he, nice. yeah, and then he wrote a book and all the rest of it. And uh, interestingly, uh, Margaret Thatcher reversed the decision to suspend mm. him without pay. She reinstated his pay. Weird. I don't know what that's all about. Maybe she was just trying to buy him off. Well, she couldn't call him a, a leech on... She couldn't call, you know, the civil service a sponging, leeching drain on society if they aren't claiming their pay packets, can she? Uh, I, I, yeah, I, I, I don't know, mate. I mean, who am I? I who am I to... Anyway, uh, so... Are you Mrs Thatcher? So what happened was this, uh, this new uh, tightening of the law came into force and uh, the, the, the critical difference was that uh, b- before this, a jury could take a view that if an action could be seen to be in the public interest, which they palpably had in that case... Uh, that it would justify the right of the individual to take that action. As a result of this modification to the Secrets Act, that was removed. Mm. So since then, the public interest is literally what the government of the day says it is. So the government decides (laughs) what the government should be telling the people rather than the other way around. Well, who do you want to decide that, Jake? Who would you trust Uh, for that? Just Dominic Cummings all the way, mate. Qui custodes custodes. Listen, mate, he's going to sort it all out. He knows. He's got a plan. You can see it inside his old noggin. In his gilet. Yeah, yeah, the gilet. That's what I can't take. I mean, that's just taking the... It's in tracksuits and stuff. Some sort of content, branded content agency. Let's have a birthday. Happy birthday to Lupita Nyong'o, who my hope sings... Because then I can call her Blue Peter Nyong'o. Um, she's the Kenyan-Mexican actress who was in 12 Years a Slave, Us, the Star Wars trilogy, and Black Panther. And, ben- and she won an, uh, an Oscar, so she's very good indeed. Happy birthday to her. Fabulous. I've got the sad death of St. Rudesind oh. in uh, the year 977. He was a Galician mm. bishop and an abbot... He was also regional administrator and military leader under his kinsmen, the Kings of Leon. He died of severe burns oh. to his sex. Oh, yes, we did. We talked about him last year, didn't we? Uh, probably. Yes. Yeah, November the 26th, probably, when he was born. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. That's all right. I knew we'd had his the Kings of Leon before. Yeah, well, it's a great joke, <laughs> and it was two months, three months ago. You can was... hear that twice a year from now on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Whatever. That's it. Well, what a great day. What a brilliant day. Thanks we've everyone had. for listening. Yeah, thanks so much for enjoying that joke again. And uh, we will see you tomorrow. See you tomorrow. For another date fight night. Bye bye. Bye.